Hi people, hope you're doing marvelously well and this is Dr. Prabhu again. Once upon a time, a medico abroad in Ukraine and presently a house surgeon in India, Hyderabad. So this podcast is all about starting physiology from the spelling itself, starting everything from zero. And if you follow this podcast and make a small notes for each and every topic, just the keywords and no need to write lengthy sentences. And by the end of this podcast, you will be having a small paper of keywords for each and every topic, which you can revise whenever you want. And the moment you look at that thing, you can get each and every topic right into your head. You can recollect things faster. And now just put on your headsets and just sit back and relax and keep listening to this podcast. This episode is all about the cell membrane. So guys, imagine cell membrane is a wall which has bricks, cement and sand. And in this entire wall, the bricks are the major component. Like in any wall, most of the wall is the bricks. So these bricks are nothing but proteins, which are 55%. And the lipid part is the cement and the sand part is the carbohydrate. So together, these three things, they make up a wall that's nothing but cell membrane. So because this lipid part is around 40% in the cell membrane, it is called the fluid part. And the protein part, which is the bricks, are 55%. That's the reason it's the mosaic part. And combine it together, you have the fluid mosaic model of the cell membrane. So in this cell membrane, I will be talking about the proteins, the lipids and the carbohydrates in detail separately. So let's talk about lipids. So these lipids in the cell membrane are of three types. We are having lipid plus phosphate together. We get phospholipids one type and we also have lipids mixed with carbohydrates. We have glycolipids and we also have cholesterol. So these lipids are of three types. We have phospholipid, glycolipid and cholesterol. So in phospholipids, we are having something called as phosphatidylcholine. And this phosphatidylcholine is also called as lecithin. And this thing is the major part in the surfactant, which is in the lungs. And if there is a major part, there should also be a minor part, right? And that minor part is the sphingomyelin. S-P-H-I-N-G-O-M-Y-E-L-I-N, sphingomyelin. So what is the clinical importance of this thing? So whenever a baby is born, a kind of ratio is taken, which is called as the lecithin is to sphingomyelin ratio. I'm telling it again, guys. Lecithin is nothing but phosphatidylcholine. It is the other name. That's it. And this ratio, if it is more than or equal to two, it tells that the fetal lungs are matured and they are normal. But if the lecithin is to sphingomyelin ratio less than two, it indicates immaturity and some problem in the lungs. And the next thing is phosphatidylserine. P-H-O-S-P-H-A-T-I-D-Y-L serine, S-E-R-I-N-E. So this phosphatidylserine is present on the inner side of the cell membrane. And whenever 
the cell is undergoing apoptosis. You know what happens? This cell membrane, it flips, exposing the phosphatidyl serine which is inside to the outside. And that is the reason in pathology, we encounter something called as annexin 5 staining. So when annexin 5 stain is put into this sample, it goes and binds to the phosphatidyl serine, indicating that these cells are undergoing apoptosis. And the next one is phosphatidyl inositol. And this thing acts as a secondary messenger in cells. The next one is cardiolipin. Cardiolipin, as the name says, this cardiolipin is in the heart and you can find it only in the mitochondria of the heart. So the clinical importance of this thing is, have you heard about treponema pallidum? So this treponema pallidum causing syphilis, right? This treponema pallidum, it reacts with cardiolipin and it leads to formation of anti-cardiolipin antibody. And when VDRL test, Venereal Disease Research Lab test is done, we can see anti-cardiolipin antibody in the serum indicating that this patient has been exposed to treponema pallidum. And that is the end of phospholipids. Now let's move on to glycolipids. So as I previously said, glycolipids is nothing but carbohydrates mixed with lipids, glycolipids. And this glycolipid is having two isoforms. So this two isoforms means existing in two different forms, which is gangliocide and cerebroside. And this gangliocide acts as a receptor for cholera toxin as it is present in the GIT. Later, we have something called as cholesterol. And this cholesterol is the precursor for the formation of vitamin D. So the skin on exposure to 280 to 320 nanometers of UVB light from the sun, it can synthesize vitamin D. And whenever it comes to the fluidity of the cell membrane, so there are certain fatty acids that are good for health and they increase the fluidity of the cell. But there are also certain fatty acids which are bad for health and they decrease the fluidity of the cell. So, this membrane fluidity is based on fatty acids. So, the good fatty acids are polyunsaturated fatty acids, out of which the essential ones are linolenic, linoleic and arachidonic acids. And the bad ones that decrease the fluidity are the steric acid and palmitic acid. And these are also called as trans fats. Now, what is the role of cholesterol? So, the role of cholesterol is, it will neither increase the fluidity nor decrease the fluidity, but it will maintain a balance between these two, the polyunsaturated fatty acids and the saturated fatty acids. Thereby, it is called as the fluid buffer. That is the importance of cholesterol. Now that we have finished about the lipids, we get into the protein part. So the proteins are 55% the major component in the cell membrane. And these proteins are divided into three types. Number one is the transmembrane protein. 
This transmembrane protein means that it starts from the outer side of the cell membrane, penetrates and gets to the other side, which is the inner side of the cell membrane. Later, we have peripheral proteins. These peripheral proteins are stuck on the outer side of the cell membrane. And the third one is lipid anchored protein, which means this protein is anchored or it is held by a lipid. This one is also on the outer side of the cell membrane. So the functions of transmembrane protein is transferring something from the outer side to the inner side. These transmembrane proteins include G protein coupled receptors, ion channels, sodium potassium pumps, and also the cystic fibrosis transmembrane regulator. This transmembrane proteins are like a big pipe which is passing through a wall. So these transmembrane proteins, they transfer something or the other from one side of the cell membrane, maybe the outer side to inner side or the inner side to outer side. Next comes the peripheral proteins. Peripheral proteins are always important in maintaining the structure. They support and they maintaining the structure like spectrin and anchirin in the red blood cells and dystrophin in the skeletal muscles. So because of spectrin and anchirin in a perfect balance, RBC gets its characteristic discoid shape and dystrophin gives an anchor and a support to the muscle cells. So if spectrin and anchirin encounter any defects, like if spectrin is defective, it leads to hereditary ellipsocytosis. The RBC becomes elliptical in shape. And if anchirin gets defective, it leads to hereditary spherocytosis. So if RBC, instead of being discoid shape, it becomes spherical or maybe elliptical, there are higher chances that this RBC will break, leading to hemolysis. And when it comes to the skeletal muscle, there is something called as dystrophin, as I already said. And this dystrophin is important in maintaining the support and structure. But if it gets mutated or damaged, it leads to muscle weakness. And that leads to something called as Gower's sign, G-O-W-E-R-S sign. And this sign is seen in people suffering from Duchenne muscular dystrophy, D-U-C-H-H-E-N-E, -E, muscular dystrophy. And this thing is very fatal that by the age of 20, these people's diaphragm gets paralyzed and they die. The next one is lipid anchored protein. This lipid anchored protein, for example, phosphatidyl inositol, IP3, and these are the lipid anchored proteins that prevent hemolysis. So these proteins, they prevent hemolysis and if they are absent, it leads to paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria because if these proteins are not there, the RBC will break and because this RBC has broken up, you call it as hemolysis and if hemolysis occurred, hemoglobin comes out and that thing gets filtered by the kidney into the urine thereby we see paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria. So guys, in all cells, the protein part is around 55%, whereas the lipid part is around 40%. And the only exception is the nerve cell membrane, where there is 80% of lipids 
and 20% of proteins. So guys, that's the end of this cell membrane podcast.